0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Shirley. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just briefly, uh, it's good to be back. We got in uh, late late Sunday and um, recovered on Monday. You know, we crossed uh, three time zones, so we had to get everybody back on track. Um, it was a it was a time of refreshing and a time of learning. Uh, As you know, uh, we went through Chicago and saw some family and friends. Uh, We stayed long in the airport, uh, and our friends and family drove to us in Chicago, so that was exciting. We thought we'd try it. Um, And that was good to see uh, So friends and family. I got to see my brother and sister-in-law, who we we only get to see when we fly back to the Midwest, uh, and their kids. I got to go to a conference, and uh, when they uh, post the videos from that, I will make sure to post it so that you can benefit from it as well. It was a real time of learning. These are some of the best uh, preachers uh, in the country, Um, and to get to sit under them was extremely helpful and attend some of the workshops and, and to learn and to grow in what God has called me to be as your pastor so, and then we took some time uh, to continue to work hard at Disney World for the next couple days, and um, <laughs> that was a fun time, and some of you probably saw those pictures, at least some of the pictures, on Facebook. So it was a good time. We're, we're ready to be uh, back among you all. Since I haven't been in the pulpit for two Sundays, I probably have, like, twice as many things to say, um, so I hope you brought your sack lunch today, just kidding, ready. Oh, thank you, Florence. Thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> let me say one thing by way of announcement, and then we'll hop into our text. If you want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9 while I talk, that is great. If you're using one of the chair Bibles, it's going to be on page 917. Uh, one thing by way of announcement, just sort of an update and, and what we're going to do. Uh, the last uh, two Sundays. This is the last Sunday for the Name Change Board. Uh, We've appreciated all the feedback you've given. Let me clear up just uh, one thing in particular, maybe two things, depending on if I can remember everything. Uh, The First off, some of you have said some of the names suggested are even longer than the one we already have. And that's a good question. But here's the answer. All of them that were selected for you to give opinions on can simply be shortened to that one word. So let me give an example. If the, 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 the one suggestion of Hillside, okay, that can be shortened to Hillside Church, even if the full name is Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Or it can just be called Hillside. See that, so all of them can stand alone in that way. Okay, and so that's why we're looking for your opinions both on the first word, which can be the only word, and then the rest of what you would fill in. So we appreciate all the feedback. Again, if you have questions, you know where I am. Um, You have my cell phone and email and Facebook. Uh, Smoke signals also work, Um, and a nice letter. You know, you might even pull that out. Um, So please continue to ask about that. And uh, this will be the last Sunday, so if you have any feedback, uh, please give that to us this Sunday. Okay, good. Acts chapter 9, we're going to be starting in verse 19. And I want to take us back a little bit into the story. This is a continuation of Saul's conversion. And as you know, the risen Jesus appeared in a light to Saul and literally knocked him down with his glory. And as a part of that, the Lord sent a man named Ananias to to lay his hands on Saul, to, to give Saul his sight back, And this is what God tells Ananias, because Ananias is rightly afraid to go go be in the same place as Saul, the religious persecutor. Again, Saul, the religious terrorist, as we've talked about. Okay, and so God says this in verses 15 and 16 to Ananias The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And in those two verses, God, in a sense, summarizes his call on Saul. And what we're gonna see today is those two verses directly fulfilled in the verses directly after Saul's conversion. God did not wait to keep his promises. And so today we are going to see two two parts of a story where Saul does carry the name of Jesus to the children of Israel. And we are also going to see him be persecuted. And again, the irony of the one who once persecuted the church now becomes the persecuted. And so today we're going to see, again, if you're following along and you're outlining the bullets and this big idea that when we carry the name of Jesus to unbelievers, we must boldly endure suffering for the name of Jesus. So the first part will be in verses 19 to 22, and we're going to see Paul proclaims the name of Jesus. Again, a direct fulfillment of verse 15, and we're only in verse 19. The, the closeness helps us understand this is what Paul's life is about that this is what God has called him to do, and this is what he is going to do. The lack of space between these stories shows us the immediacy of the work that needs to be done for the gospel. And before I preach further ahead of my notes, let's look at the hostile environment in which Saul was preaching. So verse 19, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Now one thing I want us to appreciate, one, the immediacy of right after his conversion, he is going out and sharing Jesus. Here's a lie I think that we've perpetuated, that you have to be a Christian for years and years and decades and decades before you know enough to share Jesus. The problem is is that while we can see that in others, we never get there ourselves. (laughs) That, that That there is a trap of, I'm not mature enough yet to tell someone about Jesus. And that's one thing we need to see. The other thing we need to see is that Paul is going into a hostile environment. He is going into a synagogue and saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, we sort of gloss over that because we know that Saul is a preacher, and he, you know, it was his job to walk around and tell people about Jesus, but he's going into a synagogue. That would be like, (laughs) again, imagine all of us are are observant Jews, and a Christian comes in and says, hey guys, you got it wrong, Jesus really was the Messiah. But here's the thing, he knew where he was going. And and sometimes, sometimes we too readily avoid the hostile environments. That we want the safe places to talk about Jesus. And that sometimes, Lord willing, like we saw with the Ethiopian eunuch, that God literally sets the table of someone who is just totally ready to hear about Jesus. You know, again, the Ethiopian eunuch is literally reading his Bible. <laughs> but here, we, we can't be afraid of places in our world that really don't want to hear about Jesus. And there's a certain courage that we can have because we belong to Jesus that we can go not just to the easy places but to the hard places. The other thing I want us to see is in verse 21, we see Saul needing to overcome his past. Look at verse 21. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? They knew exactly who Saul was. And, and here's again here's again something I see, is that people who knew us back then... There's often great fear in talking to them about Jesus because they knew us before Jesus. Again, some of you may have come from, from a more colorful past, as we've said, and you know more what I'm talking about. And there's a fear that they'll know I'm a hypocrite because they knew me back then. But let me say this, that forgiveness overcomes any past. And we we rest on that forgiveness to overcome the fear of people knowing our reputation. That Saul had a reputation and he overcame that because he understood the forgiveness and transformational power of the gospel. And so for some of you who, who, have the, who, who know people who knew you back then, have you thought that that's maybe why God gave you that life to go back to those people? That maybe God gave you that past that you're not proud of so that you can reach people with the same past? Because you know what it's like. God used that Paul was a Jew to reach the Jews. God will use your life and has orchestrated your life to reach people that he has called you to reach. Let me suggest to you that God gave you that past for his glory and the spread of the gospel. Thirdly, I want us to see that Saul used his Bible when he was sharing Jesus. Look at verse 22. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now let me make a little quick side note here. Look at the first description of Saul in verse 22. Saul increased all the more in strength. I want you to think about what that's saying. It's saying that Saul got better at talking to people about Jesus. Again, we know the end of the story. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote books of the Bible. You wouldn't, you'd, you'd think he'd be a natural. <laughs> but that verse is telling us he needed practice. And again, why would we think we're any different? And why would we be ashamed of the fact that we need practice? Again, again, one of the biggest things I think that keeps us from talking about Jesus is fear. And one of the ways to overcome that fear is to do it. And again, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in, in, in not being great at it. Of, you know, let me tell you, I'll tell you this story. So when I was, when I was in camp ministry, they gave us this wonderful acronym for sharing Jesus with people. Okay, it was ABC. Okay? ABC stood for admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and commit to following him. It's great. Brilliant. So I was with the 8 to 10 year old campers, and I had this opportunity that this kid wanted to accept Jesus as his Savior. And I'm like, it is so simple. It's as simple as ABC. A is admit you're a sinner. B is, B is, B is, <laughs> and I just said, look, dude, I forgot what B stood for. <laughs> so let's go back to Jesus. That's a J, I know, so A, J, C, but it'll work. But again, if, if Saul needed practice, it's okay that you do too, because he got better. You know, they, they tell me that it takes 300 sermons before a good one. By the way, I'm not there yet, not even close. Um, and some of you are like, mm-hmm. But <laughs> I'll get there. Thanks, Mike. That's so encouragement. He's my Barnabas right here. Um, but again if I mean think about your job you had to do it to get better. Why do we think sharing Jesus is any different? So try it. Fail. Look ridiculous that you can't remember B. But when you do you will grow. And the more you do it, the more you practice, you'll increase in strength just like Saul. The other thing I want you to see is in addition to just doing it over and over and over again, he used his Bible. It says, Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving... Jesus was the Christ. This is for all my engineers and computer programmers and all you guys out here. So that word proving there is you gather the data and you make an argument and you present out of the data. Okay, very much a logic word. And so Saul took the data from his Bible about Jesus and then presented an argument to the Jews he was speaking to. And again, that's, that's so helpful for us that, that you don't have to come up with a 40-minute sermon when you're trying to share Jesus with someone. You can read to them. You can say, can I show you something out of my Bible? Can I read it to you? You don't even have to memorize it. You just have to memorize what page, and you can, even then you use a bookmark. Right? So Jesus page one, there. Jesus page two, another bookmark. You just fill your Bible with bookmarks and you're good. But you don't have to do it alone. God's given you his word. So you don't have to get stage fright that you'll say all the right words. And maybe you just don't like public speaking. Maybe that just maybe that just shuts you up like a clam. But God's given you his word where he has given you a gift where you can read and explain what Jesus has done. And you can help them draw the conclusion for themselves. You can point them and show them, yes, Jesus did die for you, paying for your sins and giving you the hope of eternal life. So again, in in fulfillment of God's call in his life, Saul is out there spreading the name of Jesus. But it's not all glorious. Again, sometimes when we read these stories in our Bible, we'll be like, well, yeah, man, if my life was like that, it'd be really easy. (laughs) But we're reminded of the reality that there are those who are offended by the gospel and that there are those who are enemies of the gospel. So we're going to see not only did Paul carry the name of Jesus, but he suffered for the name of Jesus. Look at verses 23 to 25. Verse 23, When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. So the first thing I want us to see is attempted murder. Again, because we know that it doesn't work, it's really easy to gloss over the fact that people were so mad at Saul for talking about Jesus that they literally wanted to kill him. Notice in verses 23 uh, and 24, it sort of begins and ends with death. So when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. And again, don't, there's no misunderstanding here. They wanted to kill him. But why? You ever thought about that? Why kill Saul? Let me share two thoughts of why. Number one, he was doing effective evangelism. He was sharing the gospel with people. In fact, in verse 25, it will reference Saul's disciples. So he had already made converts in the short time he was there. But the other reason is that there is is power in the example of a convert. One of the lies, especially that you see taught in Islam, is that there are no converts from Islam. That is one of the things that Muslims are taught, that there is no one who has been converted from Islam to another religion. There's a pastor named Sabidi Anyabwile, who I have referenced a couple times, but he is a converted Muslim. He was a Muslim and came to Christ. And so he apparently is one of these people that doesn't exist. And he says this in his book, um, Evangelism for Muslims. But no one leaves, this is a, a Muslim doctor talking, but no one leaves Islam because it is the truth. Show me one person who converted from Islam and I will convert. So I said, you know, you're looking at a man who was once a Muslim and has converted to Christianity. For the first time, Jamel fell silent. He looked at me as as like he'd found some curious creature from a science fiction movie. Really, he asked, really, I replied. With what looked like genuine curiosity, he asked, why? Our job is to share the why. If you have become a believer in Jesus, you have a story that someone needs to hear. Of How could you, coming out of that background, come to Christ? Well, let me, let me tell you. Your life is a part of sharing Jesus because people will want to know why you do it. Why would you do that? Because a lot of people won't know why. For so many reasons. Why would you want to hang out with those people if you're a Christian? (laughs) Why why would you want to join those bigots? That might be a question you get. And our job is to share the why. And we can share our story. And so here is Saul, a convert from Judaism, who, who, in experiencing Jesus, put his Bible together and was able then to show from his Bible that Jesus really was the promised Messiah and that he really believed it and he was sharing that belief with those from the same background. Again, helping us to see that God gave Saul the life he did to be a missionary. And God gave you the life he gave you and the experiences he gave you to be a missionary. Maybe not across the seas, but definitely across the street and across the cubicle. Your life was given for your witness. Every detail. But we also need to see the escape from persecution in verse 25. Look at that. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Again, we have to do some imagination here because this is really nothing like our community. Okay, I don't, you know, it's not like after the sermon you guys are going to put me in a refrigerator box and like sneak me across the ferry. Okay, (laughs) we don't have to do that. I can just go home and have lunch. So again, we need to understand that this is different from our context. And that gives us, that when we understand that perspective, it helps us in many ways, one of which is we have a better appreciation for those places in the world where this doesn't seem such far-fetched. There are some parts of the world and and you just turn on the news and you see it. Where if you talk to a Christian in Saudi Arabia, the idea of getting snuck out of a town doesn't really sound crazy. And so it helps us to understand what people in other countries are going through and how blessed we are to not experience the same level of persecution. Because if we're honest, many of the things we call persecution are at best annoyances in the grand scheme of things. We need a global perspective to our faith because when we realize when we realize just how good we have it the question is not do we have freedom or not it's what are you going to do with your freedom the challenge here is if Saul was preaching and sharing Jesus in this context how much more should we that's the challenge to us, of because again, we I don't have to get lowered in a basket. We don't need, as a church, buy like a gym sized basket to get me, you know, across the ferry and, you know, out of the way of the authorities. We we don't have to do that. But then the question becomes: for those of us who live where we don't need human sized baskets. how are we stewarding the freedom we have? Because here's, here's the application for me. You know, John Calvin once said, if a preacher doesn't apply the sermon to his, his, himself first, it's better that he breaks his neck walking up the stairs than preach the sermon. <laughs> Those guys in the Reformation, they had their vivid metaphors, I'll tell you that. Um, it would be better for him to break his neck going up into the pulpit if he did not take pains to be the first to follow God. And here's what I'm saying to you. As I read this, what I came to is that there is a place in my life to repent from laziness and cowardice. Looking at what Saul did, are we lazy cowards in our faith? How are we lazy or how might we be lazy? Number one, quit waiting to share the gospel. Again, the the time between his conversion and him going out and sharing Jesus, there's no time. It's the next story. In fact, we even in our in our Bibles we split up verses nineteen. <laughs> don't wait. And especially don't wait for unbelievers to magically show up here on Sunday morning. That cannot be our outreach. That can't be the only thing we use to outreach into our community. <laughs> is is let's hope and wish that someone actually walks in. Now, God can do that. Don't mishear me. But if that's what we're banking on for all that God has called us to do, that's a pretty flimsy foundation. So like Paul, we need to go out and not just magically wish that people show up here. And then again, that idea of evangelism is for the really mature. The problem with that is it always seems like the other people are really mature and not me. (laughs) And I never get there. Here's the thing I thought about. I want you to picture this. If you had to write an update letter like our missionaries do, what would you put on it? And if you were the person receiving it, what would you think about it? I don't know, when I thought about that, that's a lot to chew on. If I actually wrote down and sent it to somebody, would I scrutinize it the same way that I tend to scrutinize other people's update letters? So we can be lazy, and I think there's a total appropriate place to repent of that. Secondly, I think we can just be cowards. How are we cowards? Well, one, we, I think we give up when things get hard. We either give up because of fear of failure or ridicule or hurting our reputation or we give up because people are hostile to the message of Jesus. But let me give you, let me give you two antidotes to overcoming difficulty. Number one is is to just do the work. Again, this idea of practice. When I was in camp ministry, this time I I didn't forget B, but I was working on a zip line and the hardest step on a zip line is obviously the first one, because there's really no step after that, because after the first step you're careening down a metal wire for multiple hundreds of feet now every once in a while, actually a lot I I get a kid who who didn't want to go And I could talk to them about how that wire holds thousands of pounds. I could talk to them about all the different backups and safety features that existed on that thing. You know, I I heard somebody once say that things like that are actually safer than driving in your car. And I used that little factoid. But it wasn't until the person actually stepped off that they believed me. And there's a sense in which Some of our fear about sharing Jesus will go away after we take that first step. And the more you do it, so by the end of the summer, the counselors who had been doing this for 10 or 11 weeks were just, you know, just jumping off all Superman hands out in front of them (laughs) because they'd done it so much. But again, it's that first step. That's the hard one. The other one is overcoming feelings of inadequacy. And again, I just, I just, I focus on what uh, the fact that the that Saul later the apostle Paul had to practice. <laughs> if he did, won't God provide for me too? Lastly, as we think about this i want us to remember that there are places where the story of having to escape out a window is not so absurd that there is real persecution happening around the world that you can use CNN and Fox News as prayer lists some week and that's what we need that's one thing we need to be doing is praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are in these places but again, recognizing that maybe things aren't as bad as we think they are here. And again, the question to me is, are we wasting the blessing that is the freedom we enjoy? Are we being the good stewards of the freedom we do have that others do not have? And are you using your freedom for the good of others? We are very free to practice Christianity. But I think something we forget about is is are we practicing our Christianity in a way that benefits not only us and our friends and families, but others? Are we using the freedom in Christ we have? Friends, God is calling us to be courageous. And God is calling us to work hard in spreading the message of Jesus. And even though we'll experience hardship, even though we'll experience maybe even hostility from those who don't know Jesus, our call is the call that God gave to Saul carry the name of Jesus to the nations. Let's expect adversity and let's go forward knowing that our Savior is King, we have nothing to be afraid and that we can serve him with obedience and courage. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the story of Saul, in that he was obedient to your call to carry the name of Jesus, to carry the message, the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on behalf of sinners. He was obedient to that call, God. That we would be obedient to go out with that call. That we would not. That we would not be content with just waiting for people to come and see us, but that we would go out with the message, that, that you would help us to repent where we need repentance, and that you would give us courage and stamina as we take the message of the gospel to the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.